Time Lord. I'm Daniel Levane, and as the title implies, I had never seen Doctor Who until I started this podcast. And now, if you're a Doctor Who fan, you know I just can't stop. I'm hooked. I cannot wait for every week to come by so that I can watch the next episode and talk about it with an expert, with somebody that understands what is happening and can give me all of answer all of those questions that come up when you first watch these episodes as a first timer. And so for this week, I got myself the best expert, the expert that has been with me and has held my hand through quite a few of the Dalek appearances, especially my first exposure to a Dalek, and that is the amazing and very knowledgeable John Sobel. Thank you very much for having me again. This is, uh, I love this, uh, this story because it's a fun one with uh, being in 1930s or 1920s, I guess, 30s. I'm not exactly sure when, but in the old New York, it's a fun uh Time now. The, yes. So we, we should say we are discussing this week the episode Daleks in Manhattan, which is episode four of series three. So, dear listener, if you have not seen Daleks in Manhattan in a while or ever, now is the time to pause the podcast, go watch the episode, and join us because inevitably, I will ask questions and we will discuss things that will give up the plot of the episode. Now, with the warning out of the way, uh, yes, I love I love this time period. I love the the idea that it's not like turn of the century Manhattan like we've seen in Peter Jackson's um, uh, King Kong, his take on King Kong, which was like that very early 1900s. Um, but instead, like this very uh, growing, yet at the same time suffering city during what would have been the Great right, Depression, shortly after the Great Depression in twenty nine. So yeah, so yeah, it's a, this is a this is a good. Uh, it's a, they make it a really good look uh, for for the uh, for the show to make it feel like you're actually there in uh, in Hooverville, which was a real. <laughs> real place that existed between 31 and 33 in uh in the lower reservoir of the city water system which was then being emptied and landscaped back then mm. so and then they and then they, so this was which a real is, thing uh, i mean it, it it's astounding to me how uh how much history can be packed into a sci-fi show um that is factual uh you know and and of course, basing something on factual events just makes the supernatural or the sci you know, the the science fiction side of it feel that much more real uh, in a situation like this. Um, but uh, as is always the case, uh, especially with American history, I often wonder how many people learned about Hooverville for the first time from Doctor Who as opposed to being exposed to it. My, my hand is raised. <laughs> in, in a, that, see, I, 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 I'm not sure how or why. I, I, well, I know how. Uh, I did a play in high school called The Grapes of Wrath, which happened to deal with the Great Depression. Uh, and being the nerd that I am, I did a lot of research and, and a lot of reading about the Great Depression. So I had heard and read about um, 
Hooverville before. Uh, but it, it's it's hysterical to me that here is a piece of American history, and most of my friends are exposed to it via a British show. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yes, it's 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 amazing how much. And how many people we've seen in the uh, three seasons that we've done so far, how many, how much history uh, has really been uh, uh, researched as well as it has to, for the travels Mm -hmm. when they go backwards in time, obviously when you go forwards in time, you don't have to do a lot of research. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, This, uh, this guy, uh, Russell T. Davis does seem like he's got, that crystal ball thing. So maybe he's right. But yeah, we've, we've seen, uh, the moment with, uh, uh, um, Oh, I just blanked on his name. Uh, the Christmas Carol guy, Charles Dickens, Charles Dickens. Woo. Uh, we have seen the, the stuff with Charles Dickens and he, he did have, you know, that, that presentation that, uh, was mentioned in the show. Uh, of course, you know, the, the, the Shakespeare episode, like it, it, it's fun to see these historical moments. Uh, and generally a lot of them have been based on, you know, British history, which is fine as well. The girl in the fireplace. Uh, so also. it's great to see Madame de Pompadour. Right, right. Uh, with, with the French history. So we, we have seen this stuff. It's good to see them also include the, the American history into it. Um, but jumping right in, I love the idea that we're introduced to this world through the eyes of basically, uh, the, (laughs) because I'm a musical theater man, uh, as, this girl uh, implies uh, something about the doctor with later in the show, which I love that line. That uh, to me, she came off very much like Adelaide in um, uh, Guys and Dolls. Guys and Dolls, you know, and and she's talking to her, you know, to her guy, and she's getting ready. Uh, and you know, I love that. That's how we get introduced into this world. And for an episode that has Daleks in the title, I assume that, you know, that's what was going to be tormenting this guy. And the first thing that happens is he gets attacked by a pig man. Yes. Which immediately brings back visions of uh, uh, when we saw uh, a pig creature. Aliens of, Aliens of London. Aliens of London, yes. Yeah, the, the episode Aliens of London. Although this is a different looking pigman. Uh, the Aliens of London, repre- it, it very much was a pig that happened to be walking upright. But everything else, the, 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 the hands, the feet, everything was very much pig anatomy. Whereas this is like a hybrid, uh, a pigman. But... That that shocked me. That was uh, I I have to admit that was a uh, a spin that I was not expecting. Yes, when you when I first fo- watched it, you know when it when it came out, that was definitely one of those you know jumps that you that they give you is because you're not you're not expecting it. Uh, but as you've said in recent episodes, uh, you you know you have to expect the unexpected when you're when you're watching this because you just can't uh, turn on a Doctor Who episode and say. Well, I know how that's going to end because mm-hmm. it just never does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I mean, it, this show, just when you think you know and you can sort of count on what you can expect, here's Dalek in Manhattan. And first thing is this thing that just doesn't seem to jive. Uh, and I, the, it, I still have a hard time, uh, you know, haven't haven't quite gotten beyond this first. The, the, the I know it's a two parter. Clearly, we get to the end, uh, but I, I still don't understand why the Dalek have pigmen. But okay, they they have pigmen, and clearly there's more than one. Uh, and it it, it uh, immediately it, it sets this weird like so we're you know because. You mentioned Aliens of London. The the Slovene had basically altered this pig to uh, appear like an alien. And it makes you wonder, like, why would two different races of aliens, like, be have this affinity for for pigs like is there a connection between the two well as i think it was said later on as they were separating um different groups of uh of humans uh for their genetic experiments is they had high level intelligence and low level intelligence and the low level intelligence people became the the pig slaves uh to to be the the worker bees uh, and the high level mm-hmm. would be pulled aside to try to do the the next evolution um, that they were working on. And that was mm-hmm. definitely talked about. Um, but why is it a pig man? I think it's because it's a fun mask. <laughs> it's I a mean, fun makeup. Pigs it's, yeah. are, in theory, the, the human analog. So I could see, you know, like melding human and pig DNA would not be all that challenging. Uh, so... Not a whole lot of work had to go into it. They're like, eh, yeah, we, I did the thing. Now, now that now we can meld them together, we can take their intelligence, kind of thing. Right. Again, I and I also think it's just it, it. You know, it's an easy mask to put together and make them all very similar looking to for, for the makeup right. department. So, okay, it'll be a pig man because that's what we can do easily. <laughs> uh, so interesting. You know, getting to see like we talked about, getting to see the doctor walking around Manhattan. Uh, I like how they uh, they land on Liberty Island, but then somehow seem to just be able to get all the way to Central Park. Yes. You know, I, I truly think that it's one without of those, any sort yeah. of you like. It's you know because did you like wait for the boat? Like how did well, I, it's? I mean, not that I need to see like every step and tra- you know how they traveled through transit, and, but you're like. It, that could have been kind of fun too. Well, yeah, seeing the doctor and Martha. And I did that trip not that long ago, and just the the you know the ferry from Liberty Island. Then you have to stop at Ellis Island before you finally get back to back to land. It's uh, the the mainland. It's like this is not an easy trip. So you know it's better that we don't see it because it just takes too darn long. Well, and at that time, uh, Ellis Island would have still been oh, yeah, operating. A, a, an actual operation. So the 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 ferry, you know, it, like it just again. I wish I wish we could have seen a little bit more of that trip because I think that would have been a, a fun little excursion for both Martha and the Doctor to see, uh, and and then 
possibly taking the you know the subway system uh, to get all the way back to Central Park. Um, but we're introduced to, I guess, what is it? The the mayor of uh, Hooverville? Uh, yeah, well, the, the man in charge is basically uh, Solomon, uh, who's, uh, of course, named after uh, wise, the wise king in the Bible, who even uh, uh, proves that he was named for that particular person uh, during the initial, mm-hmm. you know, seeing him initially with the skirmish of the bread. And he takes the bread and splits it yes. in half, just like uh, King Solomon tests uh, two women's claim of their baby by saying we should just cut the baby in half. It was like I saw, mm-hmm. it, I saw it right away. I was like, oh my god, they're pulling this directly right from the Bible. And they want to make sure you understand I, who he is because he is he's the noble King Solomon, wise man. It's like they just were they were like shoving it down your throat, saying this is who who you need to talk to. Yeah, it, it was abundantly clear. Um, but I also love that guy, that that actor. Oh yes, uh, he's an excellent actor. And you know, if you uh, being being a little bit of a Star Wars geek, you would know him as that. His name is uh, uh, Hugh Quash Quarshi, uh, who was uh, Captain Captain Panaka in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Yes, he he was the one that said, "This is not a war we can win," right. or "This is not a telling you know Queen Amidala." But exactly, I just his voice, his everything, just it, it seemed, uh, you know, it, it, the the thing. I, and I I don't like trash talking Doctor Who or nitpicking it, but in this episode. There's a myriad of American accents. There's some accents that are less than adequate and great. You know, some of them are quite muddy. Uh, So when he comes up and you start hearing him, you're like, yes, somebody that can do a full on American accent and seem and sound legitimate. uh, And, you know, his voice and everything. I was just like, yes, I am here for this version of uh, Solomon. Yeah, it it really uh, feels appreciate. Yeah, it really feels like they they say, you know, it's you know, we are a British TV show, so we're going to do what we can do, and if it's not perfect, oh well. Well, I mean, it, let, let's let's be honest. In American television, uh, frequently, uh, not not so much anymore, but back in the day. Americans would try to pretend they were British and some of them did it to better success than others as well. So, you know, like I said, I I don't want to poke, I I don't want to poke too much at the the show because uh, Americans do it just as much and just as badly. Uh, So it it was just, I I found it humorous. Uh, And in that humor, I found solace in in that character in Solomon because he definitely uh, I like the tone of his voice I like the way he speaks and his accent was the 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 most sort of you know he he even migrates a little bit when he tries to do a little bit too much of that uh, early New York Cogni accent but you know it, it like I he he grounded me in an episode where my year was starting to you know 
I don't have spidey sense. I have like weird hearing sense, especially for accents. And boy, the, this you know episode had me. Yeah, going, and that's but. and that's the difference. That's the difference with you and me. Just real quick, yeah, because it's like at some point it's like yeah, it's a Doctor Who episode. I'm just whatever they're saying. I'm not listening necessarily to the accent. I'm listening <laughs> to the words. You know, English being a second language and just in general being a very auditory person. Uh, accents are something that uh, I find fascinating. Right. And I love the British lexicon. I love all of the different uh, variations in the British uh, idioms and accents. And so watching a British show is, uh, you know, for, for me, it's almost music to my ears because especially the, the, the Scottish brogue, there's just something that, that sounds very soothing and very nice. Um, so of course I heard all of the the variations and the half attempts and the weird attempts, but uh, you know, speaking of Spidey right. Sense, uh, all of a sudden there's this character that kind of pops up, and I had a second before he's really featured where I was like, did I just was that? Did I just see that right? That looked like. And then he comes on, like, really, like, the camera lands on him. And you're like, that's Andrew Garfield. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, the that's, that's Spider-Man right there. Yeah, well, why not? Why not? Let's, you know, young man starting out in acting, getting, getting whatever gigs he can get. You know, it, it, we joked, uh, I've joked on this very podcast that Doctor Who... Uh, or, or pretty much any BBC show, but you know, it seems like Doctor Who is like the law and order of uh, of British television, and that if you're a British actor, you're going to inevitably appear <laughs> in Doctor Who. Just like if you're an American actor or you live in New York, inevitably you're going to be in a Law and Order episode. Yeah, especially if you, especially if you uh, work in New York is. and on stage, you know, if you, it's like every everybody right, right. who's ever uh, been in, on Broadway has done a Law and Order episode. Uh, or or you know two or right. three or seven but you know there's andrew garfield and you're like you know if you didn't know dear listener andrew garfield is not american i know most of the time he plays american in movies like the social network and spider-man but he's actually british and in this you get to see him do a very early not so subtle bad American accent. <laughs> yes. You know, it's at least he got better as he's as he's gotten older. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> he's he definitely improved his accent. Uh it was not the best uh when we see him in it. But they're also trying to do a very difficult because it, it's not just an American accent. They're trying to do that New York lexicon. They're trying to use that New York sound uh, of that specific time and place which is not easy to do if you're not good at being able to pick up accents and i'm sure they weren't you know it's a television show not a movie or a play so i'm sure they weren't given months of preparation it was you know more like a day or two of, here's the script learn it and oh by the way you have to do this pseudo you know i I, I I'm sure there's a different name for it, but it's kind of like that Cogni accent, the the New York Cogni uh, of of the early 1900s. Yeah, it's but yes, it's but 
you know, fun nonetheless to to see actors that you, that you know <laughs> when you see them. You know, oh, this is a good starting. You know, I'm sure he's done a lot before that, but it was for us. It's a, you know a nice way to to see him when he was much much younger than we're what we're used to. Or for me, it was a great way to be like, hey, I know that guy <laughs> from other things that I've seen. And, uh, and clearly he did this before all of those yes. things. So, um, but for, again, for a show that is titled Daleks in Manhattan, we, you know, the Daleks kind of appear, you know, sparsely throughout this episode. They're, they're clearly setting up for some sort of big confrontation. Um, but, you know, we, we see that they're doing some sort of modification to the, uh, to the spire of the Empire State Building. Uh, yeah, they want to do. They want to do a lot of work, you know, at you know at the Empire State Building. Where, uh, you know, why not? It's the largest building. So let's and it's clearly was in being built during that time. Uh, so it was a good. It's a good uh, way to have people, you know, for, who do know the history know that that was you know something that could have happened. Uh, in the storyline, mm-hmm. and, and it would have been the tallest building in the world at that at that exactly. Moment. So that's why that you know being being uh, there at the time makes makes a lot of sense. Uh, we don't learn until mm-hmm. uh, until uh, later on what what they're doing there and why they're there. But you know, but just the fact that they're there and it's you know the the guy. Uh, uh, What's his name? Uh, Mr. Diagoras, uh, you know, says, yes, my master, our masters would be very upset. And um, one of those where you, you finally see him, where I wish maybe the, the title didn't say, uh, have the name Dalek in it. Uh, you know, maybe Danger in Manhattan uh as mm-hmm. a, as it's so that you don't just know right from the get-go you're, you're, you're watching a Dalek episode. Um and that was part of, uh, you know, back in the day, though, none of the none. There was never, if I remember correctly, there was never a Doctor Who episode that inf- that featured the Daleks that didn't list them in the title. Mm. But it's just it's just frustration on my part because, you know, I want people to enjoy the storyline before you see the villain. Sometimes you don't need to know, you know. The scary it, parts of it with the pigmen and Laszlo <laughs> is interesting. You don't necessarily need to know that this is a Dalek episode until you until they actually appear uh, off that elevator. Well, and and there, there's been a couple of uh, circumstances uh, in in watching the episodes where I did not expect the Dalek to show up, and they do. Um, but knowing based on the title that the Daleks were going to be appearing. Uh, it was actually, at least for me, it was fun trying to figure out like when are they going to come into play and how are they going to come into play? Uh, because this is the you know it, it's uncharted territory. You know they're not in London. They're not in uh, in the, the, they're not in anything that feels familiar to things that have happened in the show. Ironically enough, as I was watching this. Uh, I was reminded of the fact that the first time we are introduced to the Daleks, the first time I was introduced to the Daleks was in the episode titled Dalek. And he was in, uh, he, he was 
in the United States. Arizona. The, the, the Dalek was found in Arizona. Yes. Uh, so, you know, the, the fact that the Dalek have appeared in other places, including, you know, other times uh, in space uh, and time, the, the first encounter was in the States and here's this next encounter and it's in the States and it's at this weird time. And so for me, it was actually kind of fun to, to see what was happening. Um, and it, particularly, it was interesting because it answered uh, a question that I had asked a few episodes ago, which is what happened to that black Dalek that all of a sudden sort of seemed to disappear as uh, the rest of the Dalek and the rest of the, uh, the Cybermen were all being sucked into the void. Uh, and of course, you know, here's the answer. He is the the leader of the uh, the cult of Scaro. Uh, what is it the the cult of Scaro? Uh, and you know, here here he is. He you know he saved himself by jumping through time and clearly landed in New York at a time in which you know he he was able to find uh, vulnerability and exploit it exactly and actually um, chronologically this is the first time that the the Taleks have been to the Empire State Building however 1966 there was a first Doctor episode where the Daleks briefly landed on the observation deck oh wow but chronologically in in one of the first episode or one of the uh, which doctor that was the would first, that have been that was the, the first 60s, doctor would, the very first yeah, doctor the william hartnell oh, wow. yeah so there was an episode in in, in uh, 1966 where they were in i don't know if the doctor was there but that it was um they actually has it says in my notes here while chasing the first doctor vicky ian and barbara in the chase is the name of the episode the, the Daleks briefly land on the observation deck in 1966. So, yes. So, chronologically, this is the – in time, this is the first time they've been in, you know, on the Empire State Building. But but they've the, – the, that's but viewers have seen it happen before. That's wild. That's <laughs> – uh, I mean, all the things that I don't know, that's why I bring uh, fans like you to be able to educate me and make the the experience even that much richer. Um, but because it is a two-parter, uh, the, I, I have a lot of questions, uh, but I have an assumption that uh, some of those questions may be answered by the second parter. So, so hit me with them and we'll um, see if we can I do don't, it. I don't really well. I, I don't have much other than um, the you know the. I, I was excited to see that the the cult of Scaro did survive and that that's what happened to them, uh, and I'm very interested to see what goes down. But um, since I have no real questions because I, I, I'm saving them for next episode uh, to to watch them cohesively, um, here's a great opportunity to uh, bring in a little bit of extra trivia in the form of Ashley's TARDIS tidbits. So, Ashley, why don't you enlighten us with some fantastic TARDIS tidbits? This is Ashley's TARDIS tidbits for Season 3, Episode 4, Daleks in Manhattan. As you probably guessed, David Tennant and Freema Aguman did not get to do any filming in New York City. Uh, only some second unit 
uh, location-establishing shots were done in New York, and everything else was, of course, done in Cardiff as usual. The character of Mr. Diagoras was named for the 5th century B.C. Greek poet, Diagoras the Atheist. The character of Tallulah is an homage to the character Tallulah played by Jodie Foster in the 1976 film Bugsy Malone. And finally, this episode is written by Helen Raynor, who is the first woman to write a televised Dalek story and the first woman to write a story for the revived series. Thank you so much, Ashley, for sharing those amazing TARDIS tidbits, as always. I love getting more in-depth for each episode. And let's get a little more, even more in-depth uh, with the last thing that uh, was uh, Ashley talked about was uh, uh, Helen Rayner's uh, writing the script. Um, this actually was supposed to be written. Yeah. This story was actually supposed to be written by Stephen Moffat, who people will know is the next upcoming showrunner, which we'll see when Russell T. Davies steps down. Stephen Moffat will take over as showrunner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was doing, he was also, uh, working on, uh, Torchwood, uh, writing Torchwood episodes as well. Um, but he couldn't do it because of a Torchwood episode and he was a little stuck with trying to do both things. So he couldn't do this episode. So then he will wind up writing, which an episode coming up in the future in a few weeks, uh, which I will only describe as the Dr. Light episode that is coming up. Mm. Uh, which okay. when, when you, we, when you get to it, uh, you will, you will know that this is a Stephen Moffat episode. And this is probably one of the reasons why he was tapped to be the sh- the next showrunner. Also, the next show. Yes. Runner. Also oh. some of the inspirations that she had, uh, for the script were based on horror movies in the thirties and forties, like Frankenstein with the lightning, the big lightning at the, uh, yeah. yeah. And, um, the Island of lost souls using ge- uh, genetic experiments and the phantom of the opera, uh, using the juxtaposition of show business and terrifying creatures. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because I, there, there, I, I'm a huge fan of so many things and I've talked about all of them. Uh, but there is one fandom that I have not mentioned in this podcast, and that's Phantom of the Opera. Uh, I fell in love with it as a kid reading the the stories, and then I fell in love uh, all anew with the story when I was introduced to the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. And uh, Phantom of the Opera is one of my uh, not-so-secret obsessions. Uh, I have quite a few of them, uh, and uh, like... I absolutely adore it. And the moment we landed in the theater and there were the, uh, there was just something pinged my, my, my senses when it came to Phantom of the Opera. So I'm glad to see that it wasn't just me, that it was actually those influences that the writer was drawing on. So that's fantastic. Absolutely. And then, um, um, there was also an early draft of this uh, that uh, was supposed to be taking in prohibition, uh, prohibition era speakeasies um, with uh, hot jazz and Tallulah's boyfriend, Laszlo, being involved with the mafia. Uh, but Russell T. Davies mm. liked the idea of musical theater and he liked the whole idea of a big Busby Berkeley dance number. So that's why they 
they switched <laughs> they switched it up to that uh and i did i really but, enjoyed that uh that little uh uh, scene where they said where uh, where Tallulah asks. Have been on stage before? Oh, a little bit, you know, Shakespeare. How dull is that? Come and see a real show. I also, and I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but I love that scene where Tallulah's asking. You're lucky though. You got yourself a forward-thinking guy with that hot potato and the sharp suit. Uh, he's not. We're not together. Oh, sure you are. I've seen the way you look at him. It's obvious. Not to him. Oh, I should have realized he's into musical theater. There have been a lot of moments uh, that I've been watching uh, Doctor Who that I've been able, that I've not been able to control myself and I've laughed out loud. I have never laughed as loud and as long as I did about that. It was loud and long enough that I had to stop the episode and rewind because I missed some stuff Yes, <laughs> because I thought that was so funny that the, to me, that is like one of the funniest lines uh, I've ever heard at a doctor who. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. It's a, it's a great way. It's, you know, like, you know, true classic television that tells you something without actually saying the words. Right, uh, right, like the Seinfeld, like uh, a Seinfeld episode and, that uh, is you know, is named the contest, which you know doesn't mention the things that, they were, <laughs> that they're mentioning. Uh, right. Well, uh, since you mentioned the Seinfeld episode, I guess this is a good way to say uh, I'm out because <laughs> we gotta we gotta go watch the evolution of Daleks. Uh, because without the evolution of Daleks, I can't ask any of the questions I have. And goodness knows, I have a lot of questions that this episode has brought. So let's go watch that episode, and uh, right. we'll see. We'll see you all, dear listeners, here next week. Until then, visit the website firsttimelord.com. Uh, you can uh, buy stuff on the merch store. Uh, there's some cool new T-shirts that just got added, so check those out there. Uh, you can support the show by uh, subscribing through Patreon. Uh, the link is also on the website, firsttimelord.com, or just search for my name on Patreon, Daniel Levain, uh, or just share the episode. Reach out to your friends and family, anybody that you think would enjoy getting to know Doctor Who a little bit better and getting to go back and see it through the eyes of somebody like me, a beginner. So please, all your support is greatly appreciated. So please visit the website and share. And uh, I guess, John, let, let's, let's go watch that episode. Okay, we'll see you in a week. And I am totally... A musical theater. Man. Oh, I know. <laughs> so am I.